Big Rick Podcast. The best of the biggest interviews from Big Rick in the Morning on iHeartRadio, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or anywhere podcasts are heard. See more info now at onairwithrick.com. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Big Rick, I'm okay, brother. How you guys doing down there? Uh, we're staying clean, okay? <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't get too dirty in the radio studio. I'm just telling you that. Well, you know, there's the kind of dirt that washes off when you hop in the shower, and then there's the kind that sticks to your soul for eternity. Oh, so. my goodness. Oh, I'm, like, shuddering just thinking about that right now. Well, uh, this is Mike Rowe. Uh, you might know him from Dirty Jobs, but uh, I think of Mike Rowe as uh, this guy who works really hard, uh, and he he's turned into a multimedia superstar. Uh, I'm... I just learned before we booked this interview that you actually have a podcast that just got going recently, and I can't wait to listen to it. Can you tell us more about that real quick? Well, thanks. It's a little non-traditional uh, in that I write short mysteries like Paul Harvey used to do back in the day, you know, speaking of radio guys. And uh, each story is about six or seven minutes long. It's a story you don't know about somebody you do. You get to try and figure it out as we go. It's called The Way I Heard It. I write him mainly to pass the time on planes, and then my buddy said, Mike, you should you should put him on this podcast platform. So I did, and then he started, you know, a year later, called and said, listen, this, is a, this thing's been downloaded 120 million times. Holy cow. Maybe keep doing it. So <laughs> it's crazy. Every, every week I write a short story, I read it, I put it up on the platform, and now, according to my producer, it's the, uh, let me find it, it's the number one short story podcast in the country for the uh, curious mind with a short attention span. <laughs> I like it. Hey, uh, I'm curious because, uh, you know, I, I got interested in radio when I was uh, very, very young, like in my grade school years. And I remember getting in trouble on purpose in class so I could get sent to the hallway because they played uh, the local radio station in our school. And, and so I could hear Paul Harvey talk and do the rest of the story. Do, do you have fond memories of that yourself? Well, very fond. You know, uh, in fact, the book I just wrote was based on an experience like yours. I was uh, in an airport uh, in 1986, I think. Uh, and I, I was late. I could still make the flight, but I was I was going to have to run. And I parked my car, long-term parking, but I couldn't get out of the car. It was like I was stuck to the seat <laughs> because Paul Harvey was in the middle of one of his damn stories, right? And I couldn't get out of the car until I heard him say, and now you know the rest of the story. So I sat there listening to it, grabbed my bag, ran to the gate, and missed my flight by 30 seconds. Oh, my goodness. And uh, 30 seconds. So I say in the book, you know, I've, I've always wanted to write stories that make people late, yeah. uh, just the way Paul Harvey made me late. And that's uh, that's why I do what I do in that book. Plus, it beats crawling through sewers, if I'm being honest. Uh, before we move on, uh, you know, I kind of heard a really good imitation there of Paul Harvey. What's your best imitation of his sign-off? Can we hear it? <laughs> well, I mean, the classic would just be, uh, I remember one where he was doing a story on Paul Anka. Yeah. And it's the strangest thing, but it's just seared into my mind. And the last words he said were, running out of the studio singing, I've Gotta Be Me, Paul Harvey. Good day. Oh, man. That is spot on. Spot on. I loved how he said, good day. <laughs> it, it's like, it reminds me of uh, Ron Burgundy in Anchorman, where he kind of like, he's like, I'm Ron Burgundy? <laughs> in the form of a question. That's right. 
Yeah. That's right. Anytime you end a declarative statement with a question mark that wasn't intended to be in, you know, a question, people become insanely curious. I used to do the, uh, <laughs> the announcement for ABC World News when Diane Sawyer first started doing it. Wow. And just as a gag with everybody on the phone, the first day I recorded it, I said, I mean, you got to understand, it's a big, big deal for her. First female news anchor, yeah. and the direction was, look, Mike, you really got to make it declarative. You've got to make it just filled with confidence. So I said, okay, <laughs> from ABC World News headquarters, this is ABC World News with Diane Sawyer. <laughs> that is so awesome. Like, no, 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 not like that, not like that. <laughs> anyway, fun with voiceover. I got a lot of stories. Uh, do you have a, a radio and TV background? Uh, well, at this point, I would say I do. Um, it wasn't my intention to start or even get in entertainment. I was going to. Uh, I was going to be a carpenter. I was going to be a tradesman, like my grandfather. <laughs> but the uh, the handy gene is kind of recessive. So I got a different toolbox and started working uh, in entertainment. Started narrating shows. Started singing in the opera. Started selling things on QVC way back when, you know, I was 25, 26. Way leads on the way. Next thing you knew, I was uh, still working in television and have been since uh, 88. So, yeah, I guess that is my background, but it was never my intent, if that makes sense. I've got Mike Rowe on the Goober 95.1 hotline. By the way, uh, Mike, I, I just want to let you know the name of our radio station is Goober like, as in, you're a goober, 95.1. You're officially a goober now. Congratulations. Um, ho- hopefully you yeah, It's a big honor, Rick. At least I'm not a racing that. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, very good point there. Uh, hey, I want to talk about your foundation, uh, the Worth Ethics Scholarship Program, too. Tell us more about that. I, I think it's really cool that you're encouraging uh, young people to, you know, roll their sleeves up and put some elbow grease into the things they're doing nowadays. Well, after Dirty Jobs, became a hit. Um, I started a, a small foundation called Microworks, and the point was just to shine a light on a few million jobs that were available, but nobody seemed to want. And these were jobs that didn't require a four-year degree. They required training. Could be steam fitting, pipe fitting, plumbing, electric, mechanical, uh, the trades. And so the PR campaign that started for those jobs involved me going out on the road and, and talking about opportunity and whatnot. Uh, We started awarding scholarships back in 2012, work ethic scholarships. And since then, we've given away about $5 million. And this year, I've got a million to give away between now and the end of March. So the message for your listeners, if they or their kids or anybody they know uh, is curious about learning a skill or or mastering a trade that's actually in demand, uh, we'd love you to apply for a, a scholarship. Uh, they are called work ethic scholarships, so you have to make a persuasive case for yourself. But we basically pay for the training for people who want to explore a career in the trades. And that's really why I'm on your show, and that's what the message is, uh, you know, the short version. Uh, trying to give away a million bucks, and it's, it's crazy, Rick, but it's, it's harder than you think to do that because for whatever reason, these are not the jobs that people grow up aspiring to do yeah i i mean you know i'm not that old i'm almost 40 and i i can remember 25 years back 
uh, any job was a great job, it felt like back then. But nowadays, it just seems like people are way, way, way too picky with what they want to do. And there are a lot of great paying jobs that just require a little bit of hard work to, to, to do. Would you agree with that? And it's not just the money. You know, on, on dirty jobs, the question I got most often when I ran into people who liked the show was, how come everybody on that show is having such a good time? What do yeah. they know that we don't? You know, and uh, I thought about that for many years, you know, and the answer turned into a book. But the main point was these people collectively understood that what they were doing mattered and they were skilled people and they worked hard and they got their meat. But fundamentally, they knew that they were an important part of society. And, uh, you know, that's that's something that you really can't put a price tag on. But. You know, everything costs something, and training costs money. College costs money. My personal view, our country's got $1.6 trillion in student loans currently on the books. There are too many people that borrow too much money to go get a degree that isn't really going to help them. The kind of training programs I'm talking about lead directly to a job. And so, you know, I'm not trying to say one's better than the other. I'm just saying that right now we have 7 million open positions in the country, and most of them require the kind of training I'm talking about. Wow, that's uh, that's that's astounding to hear. I'm glad that you're trying to, to make a dent in that. Uh, great work there. Uh, hey, I want to talk about your book real quick. It's ironically the same right. name as your podcast, right, The Way I Heard It. And uh, the word that it I'm is. seeing coined here is a memstery. Am I saying that correctly? <laughs> part mystery, part memoir. Okay. It's just. My favorite stories from the podcast combined with the memoir. So, yeah, it's still out there, too, the way I heard it. The way I heard it. Well, what are some of your favorite moments in the book? I mean, we, we can't spoil the whole thing, but what are some of the things that you talk about in there that really would stand out and might be interesting to, to, to our listeners when they, when they go and read it? Well, it, it, it is tough to talk about it without wrecking the reveal with the yeah. famous people that are in the book. But I'll just tell you that in terms of the memoir, it's the true story of how Dirty Jobs started, what happened to me on QVC, and every time I ever got fired from a job, I didn't think I wanted it in the first place. Yeah, I, you know, my next question was going to be, how did you get started on Dirty Jobs? But, Mike, i got to buy your book now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, brother. All right. Hey, man, I really appreciate it. Microworks.org for anybody who wants a scholarship. Great. Mike Rowe on the Goober 95.1 Hotline. Hey, thanks for joining us, bud. It's a pleasure to talk to you, and I can't wait to check out the book and the podcast very, very soon. Thanks, Big Rick. That is. Thanks for listening to the Big Rick Podcast. Remember to subscribe on iHeartRadio, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or anywhere podcasts are heard. See exclusive video interviews and content now with the Big Rick in the Morning YouTube channel. Subscribe now at onairwithrick.com.